Rico Abreu closes up the high limit championship gap to Kyle Larson. Bridgeport Speedway makes some safety changes. And who exactly is running high limit behind the scenes? Uh, we'll talk about that today. Let's go. It's Wednesday, October 4th. I'm Justin Fiedler. This is Dirt Tracker Daily. How you guys doing today? You good? You've made it halfway through the week, so just a couple more days to go till you get to the weekend. Uh, high Limit last night at Bridgeport Speedway. Uh, a bunch of stuff to talk about kind of around the event and with the event. Rico Abreu, your winner, he led all 35 laps from the pole. He became the first High Limit winner to start on the front row of a main event. I do think that Buddy Kofoid was probably faster than Rico was, at least at one point in the main event. But his way too ambitious move for the lead did not go well. With 16 laps to go, he went full send into turn three. He cleared Rico for the lead, which was great, but did not clear the lap car of Dusty Zomer. Those two hit pretty hard, and honestly, I think it was a miracle we didn't have a much bigger incident. Zoom Zoom was done for the night, but Kofoid was able to continue. I did see a scattered midget comment or two in the aftermath, and Buddy has been known to make some sketchy moves at times uh, in the past couple of years, especially as he was on his way to two USAC National Midget Championships. I think he, like a lot of these other young, talented guys in open wheel racing, is hyper aggressive. And I think as he gets more experience, he'll probably mellow out a little bit, especially if he uh, gets catches the ire of a veteran driver or two in the process. He did pick up the Bridgeport track record last night uh, and eventually drove back to an 11th place finish. That's two weeks in a row where we've had a track limits uh, or track records set with high limit. With Kofoid out of the picture for the win, Kyle Larson did try and track Rico down in lap traffic, but could never get close enough to make a move. Rico and Larson were joined on the podium by Corey Eliason. I'll be curious to see what happens with Eliason and that Crouch Motorsports number 11 car for 2024. There's a lot of rumors swirling about what could happen there uh, for next season. Eliason has shown speed uh, here in 2023 uh, since moving over to that team. He's had two wins, and obviously last night's third-place run was solid. But it hasn't been all easy for him, and I think team owner Leighton Crouch has big plans and big expectations for that ride. The battle between Larson and Rico for the high-limit title did tighten a bit with 15 points now separating the two. I believe it was 20, now it's 15. Looking ahead to next week's uh, season finale at Lincoln Park, if Rico wins, Larson has to finish sixth or better to lock up that championship. Uh, a quick merch note before we dive into some other high limit stuff today. I would like to do some hoodies and maybe a new shirt here coming up. Before that, I'd like to clear out some of what I still have in stock right now. So if you want to grab something from shop.dirttracker.com, use code October at checkout for 30% off your entire order. That is good for everything in the shop, the hats, the shirts, the koozies, the stickers, everything that's in there you can get a discount on. I'll also have a link below in the video description. You can click that link and uh, the uh, coupon code will automatically populate when you go to check out. All right, some other notes about last night. I did have two separate people tell me that Mike Hess was indeed in attendance last night uh, at Bridgeport with High Limit. I did hear his voice at one point on the broadcast as well, so he was back race directing on the driver radio. Uh, if you pay attention during those broadcasts uh, with the guys in the tower, if the, if the uh, race director is close by, you can sometimes catch voices and things in the background. Everyone continues to claim that Mike Hess is not officially a high limit employee, and maybe that's true at this point, but I think all signs are definitely pointing to this being a done deal for 2024. Tommy Estes, who is also working with USAC this year, continues to be uh, with high limit as well, and I'll be curious to see the breakdown of series leadership going forward, especially with some of these officials. 
I could see a scenario where Hess is more than race director, possibly uh, maybe even bumped up to series director for next year. I think rounding out those leadership positions will be very important for High Limits future, especially to take the load off of some of the people that are working there now. Looking around online and consuming some other dirt racing content this week, I do think there's a disconnect out there about who is actually in the driver's seat for High Limit. And although Flow Racing does have a big part to play here, make no mistake that Brad Sweet is a main driving force behind this series. He's doing a lot of the work behind the scenes to keep High Limit going at the moment, and also a lot of the heavy lifting for the future. That includes doing things like uh, finding new employees and also working on the schedule. Kyle Larson's business manager and Josh Peterman, you'll uh, hear him referred to often as JP. He's also playing a role here as well. That allows Young Money to really focus on driving, uh, and especially when it comes to his cup stuff, where he's still chasing another NASCAR title. It seems as though some think Flo is really running this deal and that Brad and Kyle are just attached as names, but that's not true here. The Flo people, and you know, you talk about Michael Rigsby and Ben Shelton and Dustin Jarrett and Kendra Jacobs. Uh, you know, those a lot of those people help keep the midweek late model series going as organizers, but it's not quite the same with High Limit. And don't forget, too, that Brad has promoted races for quite a few years now, going back to some of those outlaw shows at Placerville. Plus, they've been operating that Silver Dollar Speedway. Remember, it's that group between Brad and Kyle and Colby Copeland. Brad's got experience in this arena already and obviously through this first season of High Limit. As this progresses, there are plenty of other questions to be answered as we follow this High Limit story. And, uh, you know, I'll have plenty of thoughts to share. I've got all sorts of things written down that I want to talk about that I want to get to. I know you guys have a lot of questions, but I want to see how some of this stuff plays out before we dive into some of these other areas. And maybe we can get some some more solid information, some more official information before we really talk about some of these other topics around the High Limit Sprint Car Series. Uh, As for Bridgeport Speedway itself, they did try to at least address that front stretch wall opening that played a heavy role in Justin Peck's all-star crash there at the track back in the spring. If you might remember, Peck got turned into the fence at the start and his car ended up into that opening. It struck a railing before spinning back out onto the racetrack where it was then hit again by other cars. Peck's Book 13 machine was absolutely destroyed. The cage took heavy damage. It was split. Uh, Really scary stuff, if you recall, some of those videos and images that came from that night. I was sent some photos yesterday of that opening, one from the spring after Peck's incident showing that bent railing for the stairway, and then another from last night where you can see that the track had placed plastic barrels in that spot. Uh, Big thanks to that individual for sending me those photos. But you can see uh, here, uh, you know, if you're watching the video on YouTube, you can see the barrels are kind of attached there to that, uh, that fence post. Uh, there it looks like maybe ratchet straps around them and then some VP racing fuels. And, you know, I think that opening probably needs to be fenced all the way across. But I would hope that hitting those barrels is uh, much better than a metal stair railing in that larger fence post that's in the image. It's definitely a makeshift solution, but I think progress is progress. And I want to point that out that at least the track is trying to address the issue. Uh, last night's program at Bridgeport did also include a modified invitational that was won by Matt Stangle over Brandon Grosso and Billy Pouch Jr. Up at Weed Sport last night, Eric Rudolph picked up the 358 modified win in advance of Super Dirt Week, while Larry White grabbed the Knights Empire Super Sprints victory. Jordan Poirier was crowned the Empire Super Sprints champion for the second straight season. Up in New York today, attention shifts over to Brewerton for their season finale with 358s and Sportsman Modifieds on the card. You can watch that one live over on Dirt Vision. Uh, the Super Dirt Week parade through Oswego, through the town, uh, is also happening today. So look out for that if you are interested. Uh, looking around the other Dirt Racing podcasts this week, Wing Nation has Brent Marks, Cap Henry, and Devin Borden. 
Open Red has Darren Pittman. Hoagie's Garage has Cole Garner and Elizabeth Phillips. Dunewich on Dirt has Chris, uh, Chris Wise. And there are new episodes of The Dirt Reporters, The Dirt Nerds, Dirt Tracks and Rib Racks, uh, Dirt Track Confessions, and Dirt Track Weekly. To see the full list of shows and episodes, head over to dirttracker.com slash podcasts. That's it for today's daily. Make sure to stop by dirttracker.com slash watch tonight to see what your streaming options are for today. There are uh, quite a few things to check out. I hope you guys have a great Wednesday out there. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.